Hello everyone and welcome to today's episode of the Pigskin Pulpit. I'm your host, the Sideline Statsman, and today we're talking about free agency. Before we get into that, I want to tell you guys something. As you noticed, we've been on hiatus for two months, and when you logged in, you saw a different name instead of the Pigskin Pulpit. It's under the new name, TSS Series. What we did over those two months was restructure the entire podcast and make it into a series. So similar to a TV channel, what we have is three shows that will be airing twice a week. Twice a week, we will either have an option of three shows. You will have either the Pigskin Pulpit, which covers all football, all football news related. You have From the Booth, which would cover everything baseball, or Brick Nation, which covers everything basketball related. Either way, you get two of these shows a week, and it would be on Tuesdays and Fridays. Today, I'm giving you the Pigskin Pulpit, and every episode we upload, you will see under the TSS series. So whether you want to hear about basketball, you can go find Brick Nation episodes. If you want to hear about baseball, you've got From the Booth. And if you want to hear about football, you've got the Pigskin Pulpit. So that's how it's going to work. And if you have any questions, don't be afraid to DM me on my Twitter page, at TStatsman, or on my Instagram at the.sideline.statsman. Without further ado, let's get started. Free agency has had a lot of upsides and downsides. We've seen some great signings, some bad signings, even some crazy trades. But I think the news we really care the most about is Tom Brady to the Buccaneers. Tom Brady was expected to stay in New England or go to L.A. Nobody thought the Buccaneers had a chance. It was when Tom Brady announced that he was leaving New England, that people started to say, oh my God, Tampa might have it. Tampa might actually land the GOAT. And they did. Two years, $50 million, with $9 million in incentives. It's great for Brady, questionable for Tampa. So, it took a long time to get this contract signed, but I think what we really care about is the good and the bad of this signing. So let me break it down to you. First off, don't listen to what ESPN and Bleach Report are saying. I love those guys a lot. I love my sports sources, the score, everything, the athletic. But don't listen to them right now. I want you to listen to what I have to say here. This is a fan speaking to a fan. I grew up a Buccaneers fan. I love my Bucks. And usually as a Bucks fan, you would expect me to say, I'm happy we got Brady. I'm so happy the Bucks are going to go to the Super Bowl. But I'm also a realist. And I'm a football analyst. So I put my bias aside. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm not the biggest fan of this move. And I'll tell you why. Let's start with the one good thing. The one good thing about Brady is that you have a six-time Super Bowl champion who's been to nine Super Bowls. He's 6-3 and three all time. He's got a proven winning record, and he pushes any team to work as hard as they can and puts the effort in. It's great. I'm so happy to see that Brady is finally going to a team that needs him. A team to bring back the winning culture in a team. Especially for Tampa Bay. However, he is 43 years old. If this move were to happen 5-10 years ago, I'd be, I'd be happier. But I'm not. Instead, we got a 43-year-old coming in now who's in the twilight of his career, 
He's got two years left. That's why he's on a two-year contract. And hopefully we're trying... He's a game manager. He's a game manager. He doesn't have the strongest arm. He's not mobile. He's got a lot of flaws in his game. He had a down year last year. He's looking to come to Tampa to prove himself and show that he didn't need the Patriots or Belichick. It's the truth. And that, I like the attitude of trying to prove yourself because it's going to make him work harder. But will his age show through? It's that uncertainty that we got to think about here. We're uncertain about how this is going to turn out for Tampa. We're all saying this is a playoff team or, oh, they're still going 7-9. and nine. It's mixed because we don't know what's going to happen. The fans don't know. The supporters don't know. Tom Brady fans don't know. No one knows. This all comes down to how Brady's athleticism stands out going into next season. That's what it's all about right now. One of the other good things, though, I will admit, Winston's gone. As great of an arm as Winston had and everything he did for Tampa over the last four or five seasons, it's it's time to move on. It was time. We needed a guy who's going to make the change and bring winning back to Tampa. And we got him. Tampa got him. Tom Brady has a proven winning record, and there's no doubt about that. He's an upgrade over Winston, and Winston lost a lot of games last year by one score. Brady would never let a game go by where he loses by one score. And if he did, it's few and far between. He knows what to do, and he's got the weapons. That's another great thing. He's got the team. He's got O.J. Howard. He's got Cameron Brate, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Ronald Jones II. I mean, he's got everything he needs. Build up that offensive line a little bit, get a running back, and just improve and just improve the secondary a little bit. And that's it. That's all it takes. And this team will make the playoffs. So long as Brady's athleticism and stability and health stay exactly where it is. As long as it doesn't become a downtrend, we're fine. However, the bad thing is, is that uncertainty. You don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen, and that's the big thing I'm upset about. One more bad thing about this, if things don't work out, Tampa can't trade him. You can't trade Brady, so if he ends up bombing his first year, and we don't want to go through that again, we can't trade him. We have to let him play the two years or we're going to have to release him. And releasing him kills our cap. We don't want to have to kill our cap by owing a man $25 million if we let him go. Because I think the entire contract's guaranteed. So that costs us $25 million out of our cap to pay for him. It's a deal that would hurt Tampa if it doesn't work out. This is classic Bruce Arians, which is if you don't risk it all, you won't reap the rewards. No risk, you won't win. This is a risky move, and I commend Tampa for taking the shot. Hopefully Brady can pay off right away, but I think it's more for a mentor role. I think that's how I would use it. I would use it for a more mentor role so that Brady can bring his knowledge onto another player who can run Tampa for the next 10 years. That's what the goal should be. Long-term-wise, I don't like this. The potential for it long-term? Definitely. After he leaves the league. The short-term? Great. But it's also uncertain. So Brady's a big mix. 
There's good things about it. There's bad things. Bad thing, his age. We don't know what's going to happen. His good things, he's got a great team around him that's already built by Arians and the previous regimes. So hopefully it all comes together and it works out best for Tampa Bay. That's coming from a Tampa fan and an analyst to you. So let's move on out of the Brady topic. Let's focus on the signings now. We've seen a lot of signings happen. We've seen some crazy trades, like DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals. Who makes that trade? Who makes that trade? Bill O'Brien, obviously. But I don't think we are focusing on the most important thing, which is the signings that went over our heads that are really good, and then the signings that were in our faces and we thought were nice, but they're not going to help the team. So let's look at it. My underrated signing is Byron Jones to the Miami Dolphins. Because Byron Jones was such a big piece of Dallas, and he was a top 10 free agent for this year. Byron Jones is like the corner you dream about. He He's physical like Jalen Ramsey, but he's smart like Champ Bailey. That's my comparison for Byron Jones. He's one of the best corners in the game, and when you need him most, he pays off. And Miami landed him. They've had a great free agency. They stole a couple guys from New England to help out, and Philly, and they've been building in every position to make sure that they're in the best situation to win. And it's it's a great thing they've been doing. Byron Jones is going to make this team work. They should sign to a six, seven-year contract so you can use the most of his prime. But... I understand. Got to do what's best for the team and save some money. I understand. Brian Flores has done a great job rebuilding this team. I can see Byron Jones lasting in this team for a while. Jones is physical. He plays very well in zone coverage. He reads the QB well and knows when to jump the route. He knows when audibles are coming, even as far back as he is. He's, he's very good, and he's a smart player. That's a guy you want. And they got him. He excels in every trait you can think of. Hands might need a little bit of improvement for picks. I've seen him drop a couple. But overall, Miami got a really good player back, and people are not putting enough attention to it. Miami's trying to make a run now that Brady's gone. They're trying to win the East. But not if the Bills have anything to say about it. Let's go to overrated. Uh, Let me see here. There's a lot of options. Mostly when you go overrated, you look at guys that are older, that are getting nice-sized contracts to go play somewhere else. So that would be like Greg Olson to the Seahawks. Always injured, kind of like a Jimmy Graham situation. Or maybe a Jason Witten situation where he's, God knows how old, and he's pretty much out of his prime and just washed up. There's those. Those are overrated trades. Yeah, maybe, but we kind of expected it. What's one we don't know that we really liked that really isn't that good of a, of a signing? I'm going to say Teddy Bridgewater to the uh, Panthers. Teddy Bridgewater to the Panthers is like adding Jimmy Garoppolo to Cleveland Browns. Jimmy Garoppolo would never survive in that system, and it would tear him down because of all the toxic traits coming from the Browns president and coming from the executives. It would hurt him and it would waste his talent. 
That's how I see this. It's not any hate or or disgust towards the coaching or towards the executives or the owners or the Carolina Panthers in general. This is just how I see it. You have Cam Newton. I know he's been having a bad few years, but again, the dude has had a lot of injuries. He's trying to work his way back and prove himself to the Carol- to Carolina and the and the, all the Panthers fans, and they're giving up on him. All the Panthers fans want him gone now because they've bought into the media hype that he's too that he's too injury prone. He's not going to do anything for them. Now, he doesn't want to leave, but they're telling him, "Hey, you wanted you." You just say you want to trade. He didn't want to trade. They're trying to force him out so they can get something in return. But nobody's going to take Cam right now because nope, because the media has hyped him up so bad to be that he is injury-prone and ineffective. When it's kind of the opposite. He is effective, but he's got to stay healthy. Hopefully when he recovers from his injury, he should have a market. But he's got to have that opportunity first before he goes out on that market. And I don't think Carolina's going to give it to him. They should have before they signed Bridgewater. Bridgewater, I also feel bad for. He has to establish a connection with DJ Moore immediately to make sure that this whole thing works. If he doesn't, it's going to fall apart. They have no tight ends. At all. You could argue that if you want, but only a Panthers fan could argue that with me. Because I don't think anyone knows who their tight ends are. And then, Curtis Samuels, the other wide receiver. Undersized, Brooklyn, New York native. Dude, he's not the best receiver. Good good wide receiver three option, but he's like their number two. So I'm not a good fan of that either. Bridgewater has to do to the Panthers what he did in New Orleans. New Orleans was better set and were on track and they had better coaching. Ron Rivera was on his way out and it wasn't helping the team. Sean Payton had the respect of his entire team, and that team was willing to fight and die on that field for him. That's why Bridgewater was able to succeed so well. The, the team trusted him. The team has to show they trust Matt Roll if they want to succeed. Bridgewater has to have the trust of the team. But I feel like they've lost so much. They've lost, they got rid of a lot of players, including James Bradbury, one of the best corners in the game, to the Giants. That's a big loss. The Panthers have completely lost most of their starters. They're falling apart, they're discompobulated, and they're trying to rebuild. That's how I see it. Carolina's trying to rebuild while retooling at the same time. And you can't do that unless you are like a Hall of Fame coach. Only Hall of Fame coaches can really do that. And Matt Roll came out of Baylor. He rebuilt a program in three years. Great. That's a college program. You really going to rebuild an NFL team that quickly? Won't happen. And I feel like Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the scapegoat. And I feel bad for him because he's a talented quarterback who has proven his starting capabilities and he went to the wrong team. He signed a deal with Carolina when he could have been in New England working for a coach who knows what he's doing. He could have went to L.A. where there was a lot of opportunities and better weapons. He could have went to a lot of places. And he went with a team that's working with a new coach, some lacking weapons, even though D.J. Moore had a nice year. And the only thing that's really going for him is 
Christian McCaffrey. That's it. There's nothing going on with Carolina except for Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore. Now they got Bridgewater. I really am praying and hoping the best for him, but I think because of what's going on with coaching-wise and the rebuilding and retooling, he's going to end up suffering and he's going to be gone off that team in the next two years because they didn't they didn't build the team for him to succeed because they're in a rebuilding phase while hiding it under the guise of being a retool. Carolina fans, argue with me. I'm telling you, this is an overrated pick. Not because Teddy Bridgewater is not talented, but because of the situation he's been put in with Carolina. Let's jump now to the winners and losers of free agency. Big winner, there's a lot of options. You could go around, you can go Miami for getting a retool, Buffalo for getting Stephon Diggs and building up their defense a little better. You could go to the New York Giants for really strengthening that defense. They got a lot of big pieces, and I'm very happy for them. You can go to Tampa for getting Tom Brady. Arizona for somehow pulling off DeAndre Hopkins. I'm sorry, I'm still stuck on that. DeAndre Hopkins, Andy Isabella, that whole squad, it's unbelievable. Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald with Kyler Murray, and now Kenyon Drake in the backfield. Oh, it's great, as long as they re-sign Drake. But I think what really stands out to me is Cleveland. Cleveland really was a true winner of this free agency because they had a lot of problems last year because of their coaching. It was really bad. Kitchens had no idea what he was doing as a first-time head coach. No idea. And it showed. This was a team that had a lot of talent, and it was misused, which led to them going 7-9, 6 6-10. It just didn't work. And they needed to find a way to fix that. And they couldn't fix it. So they brought in the offensive coordinator from the Vikings to take over Stefanski. Kevin Stefanski should hopefully fix everything. He wants to make sure this offense flies off without any problems. And he wants to make sure that this defense is retooled and ready to go. He's going to make this playoff team. And I trust him because he is a zero-tolerance guy. And they've proven it. They got Jack Conklin. Remember the problems with Greg Robinson on that offensive line, the tackle? Yeah, he out of here. So let's bring in Conklin from Tennessee. One of the big reasons why Ryan Tannehill was so good. It was that offensive line last year. Take Conklin, now you got that same guy taking care of you on the right side. Now that left side needs to be addressed. You have the draft pick, and I believe number 10, where you can pick up Mekie Becton, or you can get um, Tristan Wirfs, Jedrick Wills. A lot of options. You get the point. They can now make this line impenetrable so that they can't get to Baker Mayfield. Give him Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper from Atlanta comes in, signs with Cleveland. Now he's working with David Njoku, who's been suffering from a couple injuries, but when he's healthy, one of the best in the game. Severely underrated. Now you're creating a Howard Brake kind of dynamic, except this time Howard's actually going to get used in this system if the, you get the comparison. Hooper and Njoku together. Now you got Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry. Four of them together with Nick Chubb and hopefully Kareem Hunt. That's six weapons. There's no excuse. And you've got an offensive line to protect you. Come on, man. You know this system's going to work. It's got to work. There's no doubt about it. That's 11 players that are all there to make sure that this team succeeds. 
That's an, almost an 11-player offense right there. Those other guys I didn't mention on the offensive line, they're all solid, proven starters. They have a chance to win. This offense is going to be crazy next year. There should be no excuse they'd fail. Not to mention on defense, they got Andrew Billings for one year. I know he's older, but it's a solid piece to put there with Miles Garrett at the end. And then you've got the safety situation. After they traded Jabril Peppers last year to get Odell Beckham back, what they did was they had no gap. They had nobody there. They had a gap in the safety position. Now they filled that secondary by getting two strong safeties. Carl Joseph started coming out of college. Watch his team from West Virginia, one of the hardest-hitting players you'll ever see. And then Andrew Sandejo, the journeyman, coming out of Minnesota. Sandejo, I really like his game. He's a big rotational player. If a guy gets hurt, he's a solid starter to take his place. I like the, I like them together. And I believe you could take Sandejo and also play him at the free. That's the greatest part. So, you've got potentially two starters right there. They really put a lot in there to make sure the defense was fixed in certain spots where it was needed. And now they got an offensive an offense that is completely retooled and rebuilt to make sure they succeed. So I'm very happy, and I think Cleveland should be very happy with what they got. This is built to succeed. It's on the shoulders of Baker Mayfield. He's got to get his body into better shape, his mind into better shape, because last year sucked. No holding back. He sucked last year. This third year, he's got to be above it what he did in his first year as a rookie. He's got to beat that. If he doesn't, and he's back to what he did last year, I'm telling you, trade him. I'm telling you. Because it's never going to get better if he can't build, work with the system he has right now. He can't. This is a team that can get a first-round buy in the playoffs. There is no excuse to fail. You've got this. But it all comes down to what's going to happen with the Browns. It all comes down to Baker Mayfield. Can he make the step up? If he can't, get rid of him. That's all I can say. So yeah, the winner is Cleveland. Now the loser, many options once again. New England, you could easily say. Because they lost a lot of guys, and of course Brady. I could say someone like Green Bay. Didn't do enough to build the team to take advantage of Aaron Rodgers, who is still in his prime at the moment. I could say Pittsburgh Steelers for all the retirements and injuries that they've been dealing with and then losing a few important guys like Javon Hargrave. And even more notably, I could even say the Jaguars. Jaguars traded four people. Jaguars traded a bunch of people, cut a bunch of people, pretty much tore their team apart. And all they got back to show for it was Joe Schobert and four picks. I mean, if you ask me, the big loser here at the end of the day has a combination of three things. Retirements, losing key players, and losing key players just to replace for downgrades. And that one team is the Dallas Cowboys. Here we go. I know the Cowboys fans are coming at me right now, and they probably shut this off already, but I don't care. I'm going. The Dallas Cowboys lost. 100%. Here's why. Their offensive line, we've all known, it's not Dak, it's not Amari, it's not Ezekiel Elliott. That offensive line is the reason why they've been so good for so long. They've built it to be impenetrable and very hard to beat. Now, it's falling apart. Here's what I'm saying. The big retirement that we should all care about, 
Travis Frederick announced his retirement at 29 years old. Very shocking. Shook the entire NFL world. Because now that leaves him without a snapper. A, a trusty snapper. Cowboys got to get that position addressed. Okay, it's one spot. That's no problem. Cameron Fleming, the tackle, leaves for the New York Giants. Don't sign him back. Okay, that that might be a problem. Now you got a now you're weak on one side. You only got the guy in the middle of stop it. Oh wait, Xavier Suafilo leaves for Cincinnati. Now you now technically, that's an entire side missing. That's three of the five positions gone on the offensive line. You have to now rebuild and get three more guys on that line. And more than likely, knowing the Cowboys, they're going to downgrade it and it's going to suffer on the shoulders of Dak Prescott. And it sucks. Don't be surprised if he tries to get out. If I'm Dak, I'm getting out next year. I'm doing everything I can to get out of Dallas. You had the chance to make an offensive line that was going to keep him protected and give Elliott the chance to go for a thousand yards once again. You didn't do it. You you screwed the pooch on that one. Now, let's talk about the bigger issue. This is an even bigger issue to me. The defense. There's been downgrades all over that defense. They lost Robert Quinn. Defensive end. Okay. Okay. I'm sure you can get an average guy to replace him. Nope. Let's just get Jerome McCoy. Call it a day. Nope. Jerome McCoy is a natural defensive tackle in a 4-3 system. Put him in a 3-4. He's playing defensive end. They did lose also Malik Collins. Malik Collins defensive tackle. Big loss. Have not filled that position unless you put Jerome McCoy there, which leaves you in a gap for defensive end. Either way, you are weak at the defensive end position if you put Gerald McCoy there. That is a problem to me. Let's keep going. Another example of replacement. Jump it to the secondary. You lost Byron Jones to Miami. You need a strong guy who can take over. James Bradbury, you have a chance. Oh, sorry, he's gone. He's out for the Giants. Okay, that's fine. Uh, let's go for Chris Harris Jr. Nope, he's gone. Okay. That's two guys off the board. Let's try to re-sign Byron Jones. Oh, nope. Too late. So what do you settle for at that point? Maurice Kennedy? From the Jets? Not a good move. At all. The Jets' corners are not even remotely good. They're average at best. Come on. That is a massive downgrade. If I was to create tiers, Byron Jones would be at an S tier and Kennedy would be at a C. Why? So why would you make that deal? To add depth? That's stupid. And then on top of it all, as much as I gave a lot of hate to Jeff Heath last year, he was a solid guy at the strong safety position. You lost him to Las Vegas. Are you kidding me? You haven't even addressed that position yet. So this is what I'm seeing in collection from Dallas. You lost a couple good guys, and you haven't replaced their positions yet when you need to. You went to replace Byron Jones, and you've got a guy who's not even close to his level. You try to upgrade a defensive line because you're missing two guys. You get one guy who is just a guy who can stop the run. That's it. 
and then you lose three offensive linemen. Are you kidding me? You've got to fix this. I mean, if you don't fix this, I don't know what to say. Dallas, you are on track right now to be worse than the New York Giants next year. The Giants might end up better than you. That's not good. As much as the Giants upgraded, that's not good. The Philadelphia Eagles downgraded, and they still would do better than you. Dallas, you got to get your stuff in order. You signed three players to massive contracts. Dak, Zeke, Amari Cooper. You gave them big contracts. At the end of the day, the team around them made them who they are and helped them earn those massive contracts. Lose that team, lose those contracts are useless and just wasted cap. That's exactly what's happening. I don't know what's going on, but they've got to fix that. So the winner for industry's Cleveland, losers Dallas. That's all I gotta say. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Pigskin Pulpit. I had a blast on this episode, screaming at the Cowboys. And uh, we'll see you next time. Before I go, though, make sure to follow us on Twitter at tstatsman and on Instagram at the.signline.statsman. We'll have another episode up later this week, and we'll see you next time. Have a great day, everybody.